Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are our creator, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we're here to worship you. And you're our Savior. When we were far, far, far astray, you pursued us, and you've drawn us and saved us, and we're here to say thank you. And we thank you on this 4th of July for the amazing country that we live in, for the freedom we have to gather you, to gather together and worship you openly. Thank you, Father. And, and we have the opportunity to share our faith, and all we fear is being laughed at while so many around the world fear being killed for sharing their faith. Thank you. And we thank you for the sacrifices that so many have made for this freedom. We thank you for so many uh, serving uh, in law enforcement, in the military, who are protecting our freedoms, and we pray that you would protect them as they protect us. Though we're thankful to live in our country, our, our hearts are broken over our country that we have forgotten you and that you're not welcome in our schools and you're not welcome in public life. Lord, forgive things that would have been unthinkable a few years ago were now unquestionable. And things that a few years ago were unquestionable are now unthinkable. We have forgotten you. Lord, forgive our land. Our hope is in you. Your word says, will you not yourself revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Holy Spirit, fall fresh on your church here. Your church gathered around our country today and around the world, revive us and then overflow into a great spiritual awakening, a turning of people to you. Help us to put our faith in you and not in our civil government. So as we open your word today, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. And we pray that you would win people to you, that you would build believers and equip workers, and you would multiply disciple makers, that, that we would be so in love with you at the end of the service that we would find that we have to go and tell others how amazing you are. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is called Good News is for Sharing, and, and, and that's true, isn't it? We used to live on the 17th hole of a golf course, and one day I'm, I'm standing on my back porch, and this guy's playing golf by himself, and he has this amazing shot, but there's no one there. And he, so he wants to celebrate, but there's no one there. And so I say, hey, I saw that shot. And you know what? He was so happy that someone else saw it and witnessed it because good news is for sharing. And when others hear, it multiplies our joy, doesn't it? I mean, we eat a meal, we want to tell someone about it, or we hear a joke, we have to tell someone, right? Hey, did you hear about the husband who really, really made his wife happy? Did you hear about him? Did you? Did you? No? Well, neither did I, okay? <laughs> oh, this morning we're going to learn how good news is for sharing. And here's what we're going to unpack. The point of the message is that Jesus unites identity, community, and purpose. Um, we're walking through 1 Peter we're trying to equip you to, to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. And to do that, it's really important to know our identity. Who am I? It's really important to understand our community. Where do I belong? It's really important to understand our purpose. Why am I here? So that's what we're going to be unpacking today <clears throat> as we read from 1 Peter chapter 2. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now have received mercy. Oh, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, I've got to tell you about Jesus. I used to live in darkness, but he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I, I, he, he showed mercy toward me. Listen, Jesus loved me so much that he sent my young life leader to me to share the gospel. He sent the best young life leader ever to share with me. Not only did he send my young life leader, but he sent the Holy Spirit so that as my, whole, as my young life leader shared with me the gospel, he opened my eyes and, and, and softened my heart and drew me to Jesus. Oh, I'll never forget as my young life leader shared the gospel. Like in Romans 5, verse 6, here's what I began to hear for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, the word gospel means good news, but it has bad news. Now notice, I learned two things from this verse, two parts about the bad news. The first was I was ungodly, and the second is that I was helpless. As my young life leader explained the gospel to me, I understood when I looked at God, I was not like God, that I was a sinner, and that I had sinned against God over and over again. In my words, have you ever said something that hurt someone? I have too, and that's a sin against God. In our thoughts, and listen, do you want the people in the room to know what you thought this week? Neither do I, that I sinned against God in my thoughts and deeds and in leaving undone in life what I ought to have done. That I sinned against God, we all have over and over again, and we're in big trouble. So I began to understand I was a sinner, I was ungodly, that I was in big trouble and then notice the word helpless. See the word helpless? I couldn't save myself. I couldn't save myself. So I said, well, what do I do? What do I do? And then my young life leader shared with me the good news of the gospel. Don't you see the good news in this verse? For a while we were still, still helpless, still in our sins, at the right time, Christ. That Jesus, I learned, is God the Son who put on flesh, and he came to save ungodly, helpless sinners. So God the Son put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then died for the ungodly. Know what my young life leader shared with me? <clears throat> Jesus didn't say, first clean up your act, and then he'll die for you. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus took my sins and our sins upon himself, and he died in our place, and then, and then he rose on the third day. And my young life leader said, Jesus was pursuing a, a friendship, a relationship with me. And the verse that changed my life was Revelation 3.20, where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Jesus says, I want to move in and give you eternal life. I want to forgive all your sins. Have you ever done anything wrong? Would you like to go to bed forgiven? You can, you know. It is so good to be forgiven. Jesus says, I want to forgive you. And then Jesus says, listen, I want to move into you and let's do life together. You've made a wreck out of your life. Let me be Lord of your life. And listen, I can run your life so much better than you can. And that sounded pretty good to me. 
And then Jesus said, let's do eternity together. Did you know that we're forever? It's either eternal life or eternal punishment. It's either heaven or hell, and heaven sounded much better. So there was a day in my life I heard Jesus knocking, and I received him as my Savior and Lord. And if you never have, won't you? I said, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Won't you do that? Jesus, I, I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins, won't you? And give me eternal life, and I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And he did. And listen, you can do that right where you are now. You can receive him as your Savior and Lord. Or if you need help, when we close in prayer, I'd be glad to help you do that. But notice what Jesus said. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, and I did, notice what he says next. He says, What I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. In the Bible, dining is about friendship. Jesus says, I want to move in and let's do life together. And so I began to have breakfast with Jesus every day. Can you believe that he would meet with me? And as I began to spend time with Jesus, I discovered all that he gave to me, all that he gave to me. Matter of fact, let me show you a great verse in Colossians chapter 2. Look at this verse. This is so good. For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So if someone asks you, who's Jesus? Remember, Jesus says what? He's fully God and fully man, right? In, in one person, right? In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Now look at the second part. And in him, you have been made complete. That means when you get Jesus, you get it all, right? When Jesus moves in, you're complete. And in him, you're in him and he's in you. In him, you've been made complete and he is the head over all rule and authority. And good news, we love to talk about what we call the naked gospel, which is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? That Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that means when Jesus moves in, we've got everything we need. Everything we need to be a disciple, everything we need to be a disciple maker is, is ours in Jesus, right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That means when we get Jesus, we get an identity, it means when we get Jesus, we get a community. It means when we get Jesus, we get a purpose. Back to our disciple-making map. When we win someone to faith in Christ, then we want to build them. We want to teach them how to follow Jesus. And so we want to help them learn how to develop the habit of worship and small group and spending time with Jesus. And then we want to help them open up the Bible and answer Five questions from the Bible. Identity, who am I? Community, where do I belong? A purpose, why am I here? Money, what would Jesus have me to give? And hope, where am I giving? And so as I walk through this message, I want to equip you to understand this, but I want you to listen so that when you lead someone to faith in Christ, you can help them understand how Jesus unites identity who am I? Community, where do I belong? And purpose, why am I here? So let's start with identity. Identity, who am I? Just this week, I'm having lunch with a guy and he tells me a couple times during lunch, he says, listen, I'm not sure who I am. You do know what I told him to do, right? Come on Sunday, right? Come on Sunday and you'll find out. Listen, who am I? I'm a Christian. That's who I am. That's my identity. Who am I? I'm a follower of Christ, right? That's who I am. I'm, I'm a disciple, right? I'm a follower. Who am I? 
I'm chosen. I'm chosen. Did you know that? Isn't that what we read? What? You are a chosen. Jesus, seven billion people on earth. Jesus knows my name. Jesus loves me. Jesus chose me. Remember what it was like? Remember what it was like to be in elementary school and they're picking teams, right? And someone chose you. Weren't you glad? Didn't that feel good? Or, or maybe you're saying, well, Smiley, nobody ever chose me. Didn't that feel awful? Isn't it nice to know that Jesus chose you? Listen, who am I? I'm a Christian. Who am I? I'm chosen. Jesus knows me, loves me. And you know why that's so important? That as we follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture, our culture might hate us because of the name of Jesus. And you know what will make all the difference in the world? When we know what? That Jesus chose us and he's crazy about us, right? Um, you know who I am? I'm royalty. Did you know that? My big brother is the king of kings and lord of lords. Did you know I'm royalty? That's who I am. I'm related to the king, right? I'm a royal priest. I'm a priest. I get to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Who am I? I'm holy. I've been set apart, set apart from others to, to follow Jesus and to make him known. Who am I? I'm a people for God's own possession. I'm possessed by God. I belong to Jesus. He purchased me with his blood. Who am I? We need to understand that. In a culture that's increasingly hostile toward us, it's so important we understand who am I? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm chosen, I'm holy, I'm royalty, I'm a priest. That's who I am. Jesus unites identity and then community. Community. Don't we all ask the question, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Next week, we'll be starting with verse 11. And I want you to look at verse 11 of 1 Peter 2. Beloved, <clears throat> who are we? We're beloved, right? We're beloved of God. He loves us. Notice this, I urge you as aliens and strangers. Listen, Peter is writing to Christians who were living in the Roman Empire. Some of them were citizens of Rome. Many of them were not. But all of them were aliens and strangers living in a foreign land. He's writing that to us. I urge you as aliens and strangers, we live in America, but we belong in the church. Many of us are dual citizens. Many of us, we are citizens of, of the United States, and, and that's a privilege, but we're a citizen of a much, much higher kingdom than that. We're citizens of God's kingdom. We live in America, but we belong to the church of Jesus Christ. Wow. Did you know that no Christian should ever feel at home in any culture throughout history? There's always areas where we are different from our culture, and that's true today, just like it's always been. So where do I belong? Back to verse 9, but you. <laughs> Starting with a but in the, in the preceding verse, the Bible says that many are disobedient, but you. We're different because we're Christians, right? You see the you, that second person, 
plural, but you, but y'all, all of you are a chosen race. You see the people around you? They're royalty. They're royalty. They're Jesus' little sisters and brothers. Now, I need to teach you about race because we live in a racially obsessed culture, don't we? Race in the Bible is not used the way it's used in our country. In our country, race is used to describe skin color. The Bible never uses race to talk about skin color. The Bible talks about ethnicities and tribes and people groups, but it doesn't talk about sin skull. It doesn't talk about skin color. But listen, the world was divided racially. It was. It was divided into Jew and Gentile, right? Now, it's interesting. We would have looked at Jew and Gentile and said that they were the same. But they said no, because the Jews hated the Gentiles. And the Gentiles hated the Jews. But something was happening in the Roman Empire the world had never seen. You know what it was? In one church. In one church, you had Jew and Gentile joined together by Jesus because Jesus chose them both, because Jesus shed his blood for them both. And the world couldn't believe what they were seeing because there was a new race. There was a chosen race. We can't let our culture form us. Listen, what we have, what, what we have in common, what what the chosen race is made up of is not people who share the same skin color, but they're people who share a common faith that Jesus has called us to be together. Um, and um, recently I had to fill out a form. I think it was for a federal jury. And I'm filling out this form, and one of the things it asked for was race. Do you ever get tired of just an obsession with race? So I'm filling it out, and it says race, and I'm thinking, what difference does it make what my race is uh, to be on a jury? What difference? But you had to put race, so I looked through my options, and I saw other. So I said, okay, I'll check other, and I checked other, and it wouldn't go through. So I'm a follower of Christ, right? I want to be what? Biblical. So what do you think I put in there? What did, I put, what did I put in there? No, I didn't. What did we just read? I said I was part of a chosen race. And you know what? It accepted it. It did. So I don't know how many people in the federal jury pool were a part of that, but I know there's one person who put in there exactly what the Bible teaches. What is my race? I belong to a chosen race, that Jesus brought us together, right? That's where we belong. A chosen race. I belong to a royal priesthood, and you do too. Listen, these are Jesus's brothers and sisters. We're royalty, and, and, and we're a priesthood. Listen, it's so good to be in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, only one tribe, only one tribe out of 12 got to be priests. They were the Levites. But in the New Testament, we're all priests, right? We're all priests. And we started learning last week about the church, didn't we? You do remember what we learned, right? We learned that uh, with the church that Jesus is the precious cornerstone. He's the first stone that holds the temple together. And remember, we learned the Bible is the foundation, right? And we learned that we are living stones. 
and we're being built together into this temple, and we learn that we're holy priests, and now we're learning not only are we holy priests, we're royal priests. And remember the sacrifices? We lift up our bodies. We lift up our worship. We lift up our witness. We lift up our service. We lift up our giving. All of those are spiritual sacrifices we lift up. Where do we belong in the church? To a chosen race, to royalty, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Right in the middle of America, there is a nation living among a nation. And it is a holy nation. They're set apart by their faith. They're set apart to follow Jesus. Do you think we should stand out? If there is a group of people in our country who've hooked their wagon to Jesus and say, I want to follow him, wouldn't they stand out from a culture that doesn't acknowledge him? Are we that people? A people within a people, not trying to fit in, but trying to stick out for all the right reasons, right? That's where we belong to a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Do you know we belong to a people that have been purchased by Jesus, purchased by Jesus? You know why I love Sunday morning? You know why I love my small group? Because that's where I belong. I'm a stranger, an alien out there with people who don't acknowledge Jesus, who don't believe the Bible. But when we come together, I'm with people, and they think like I do. And that when we gather in small group, listen, that's where I belong. And here's why that is so important. I'm going to give you a little test. I'm going to give you a little test. See how smart you are. There are three factors that determine what we believe. Three factors determine what we believe. A, facts, that we're rational beings and we're guided by facts. Okay, that's a possibility. The second is our experiences. We're emotional beings and we're, we're, we're controlled by our emotions. And the third is community, that we're actually relational beings and we're, we're controlled by our community. So I'm going to make all of you vote. Don't be afraid to be wrong. But how many of you think that facts are the leading thing that determines what we believe? Raise your hand. None of you think we're rational? Wow, then that means a lot of our focus on education's off, isn't it? Okay, let's move to the next. How many of you think our experiences are the defining thing? Uh, a few people. You, you think we're emotional beings. Now, how many of you believe that we're actually relational beings controlled by our community? Let's see your hands. Do you know what it is? It's community. It's community. The greatest thing that determines what we believe are the people that are a part of our community where we belong. And if, if, if we're going to follow Jesus in a hostile culture, we need to understand where we belong. We belong in his church. And isn't that why Proverbs gives us great advice? Listen to this. He who walks with wise men will be wise. How many of you would like to be wise? Okay, well, what does he say? That if you want to be wise, walk with wise men. If you want to be wise, then go where wisdom gathers. Isn't that why we've gathered today? Because we want to go where wisdom gathers, gathers right, and you want to avoid where wisdom scatters. Then look, look at the next one. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, how many of you want to be a fool? It says hang around fools. And what does the Bible say a fool is? The fool is said in his heart, there is no God. So do we belong among a people who acknowledge God or do we look for the approval of people who don't acknowledge God? Now think through this for a moment. What happens? 
to young person after young person after young person. They grow up in the church. They're part of a community that acknowledges Jesus, right? And then they leave home and they go to a college campus and they're in a different community, right? They're in a community that doesn't acknowledge Jesus. And what happens? They abandon what they believe because community has such a powerful impact on all of us. And that's why we should look forward to Sunday in the small group because that's where we gather with people who think like we are so we can live out our faith in a culture that's hostile and toxic to our faith. Jesus unites identity and community and purpose and purpose. But you are a chosen race. That's identity. That's community. A royal priesthood. That's identity. That's community. A holy nation. That's identity. That's community. A people for God's own possession. Identity and community. And after all of that, he moves to purpose so that all that talking about identity and community moves to so that. Did you know that so that occurs 979 times in the Bible? <laughs> Isn't there a lot? It tells us what God has done for us so that. Here's the impact it should have on your life. And what's his purpose for our life? So that you, second person singular, all, <laughs> second person plural. You can tell I'm an English scholar. So that y'all, all of you, may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. His purpose for our lives is that we would proclaim not how good we are, but how amazing Jesus is. Listen, when you belong to the body of Christ, there's a rhythm. We gather on Sundays to proclaim and worship the excellencies of Jesus, what he's done for us. And then we scatter Monday through Saturday to proclaim to our community the excellencies of Jesus. Oh. <clears throat> worship and witness go together. I could show you verse after verse after verse, but, but I won't. But I will show you one in, not, in Psalm 96. Listen to what it says. Sing to the Lord a new song. You know what new means? I don't think it means we always have to sing new songs, but it should be with new freshness, right? With new experiences of Jesus. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Well, what's with singing? <laughs> that sometimes we're so overwhelmed with thankfulness that words alone can't express it, and so we sing. The Bible says when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing they do is they sing to one another, and then they sing to the Lord. Is Sunday the best day of our life? Do we come early? Do we come eager because we want to proclaim to all the people there and all the people in our county how excellent Jesus is? When people come to our worship, can they tell we believe Jesus is excellent and we're blown away by what he did for us, can they? We proclaim his excellencies when we sing when we pray, when we're together, when we give our gifts to him, when we listen to his word, when we come to the Lord's Supper, all of these proclaim how amazing Jesus is. And then, as we gather together, then we scatter, right? 
We scatter Monday through Saturday. What? To tell everyone how great Jesus is. Do you see that? To proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's why we go, right? That's why we're in this community. Tell of his glory among the nations. Do we tell everyone we meet how amazing Jesus is? His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for us. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, I, I used to live in the darkness. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't know why I was here. I didn't know where I was going. And then one day, one day, oh, look at this verse. Here's what happened one day. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Listen, we don't tell others how amazing we are. We tell people how amazing Jesus is, right? And then listen, listen to this. This is so good. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Remember, God made everything, right? And then God said what? Let there be light. And, and the darkness was filled with the light. I was living in darkness. And one day, the very God who said, let there be light, is the one who was shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. One day, the light came on, and I saw Jesus. And then I saw my sin. And I said, Jesus, save me. And he did. Listen, life is so much better in the light. I know now who I am. I know where I belong. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. And I want to share with others how they can move from darkness to light too, don't you? Oh, we share what it's like to move from darkness to light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once, once I didn't belong to God's family, now I do. Do you know why I love the church? You know why? Because we live in a cancel culture. And all you have to do to fit into our culture is be perfect. That's it. All you have to do is do all the right things and say all the right things. And if you mess up one time, you're canceled. You're excommunicated from our culture and there is no way back. Isn't that true? People live in fear. They're going to do one thing and be canceled. I can't live in that culture because I mess up every day of my life. And I am so thankful for the church of Jesus Christ because to belong to the church of Jesus Christ, you have to say, I am so broken and so sinful. The only way I could ever be saved would be for Jesus to save me. That's where I fit in. That I don't fit into a culture where you have to be perfect, but I fit into the church where only broken, sinful people are let in. Oh. Do you know anybody who's living in fear, so afraid they're going to say something or do something and get canceled? Why don't you invite them to be a part of the church where only broken people are allowed in? Oh. Man, he calls us out of darkness into light, he, uh, he gives us a place to belong. People who fail can belong. You once had not received mercy, but now you had received mercy. Man, when Jesus met me, I was abusing drugs and alcohol. I was disrespectful to my parents and authority, and Jesus moved in. And ever since then, Jesus has been throwing stuff out. He always throws stuff out, you know? 
He's been, he's been throwing out, like, abusing alcohol and drugs and language and being disrespectful to my parents. And, and he's built in new things, right? He's built in a love for Jesus and, and a love for his people and a love for one another. And you know what? Karen would never, ever have married me if I hadn't met Jesus. And yet, somehow, Jesus took the two of us and he brought us together. And because he's been merciful to us, we've been able to be merciful to one another and have a marriage that lasts, right? And Jesus enables us to experience a, a reasonably uh, or a happily imperfect marriage because when we receive mercy, we can show it. So there it is. There it is, our identity. Our identity is, who am I? I'm a Christian. Where do I belong in the church? What's my purpose? My purpose is to proclaim His excellencies, right? So here's the uh, action step for this week. I want you to share the good news with someone this week. I want you to share the good news with someone this week, and I want you to know you can do it. You can do it. You can do it because that's why Jesus chose you. Isn't that what we just read? But you were a chosen race. You were wasting your life, a royal priesthood. He's made you royalty, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you, all of you, may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You can do it. You can do it. That's what Jesus chose you for. How about John 15? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Do you know what Jesus said to me? Smiley, you were wasting your life. You were wasting your life, and I've chosen you, so that you might give your life to something that matters. Go, and, and listen, tell others how amazing I am, and when you win and build and equip and multiply, you'll be having fruit that lasts forever. Listen, Jesus says, don't waste your life on things that won't last. I chose you and I appointed you that you would go where you live, work, and play and share with others how amazing I am. Right? You can do it. Jesus chose you for that. You can do it. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Um, but you, and that's y'all again, all of you, you do know the difference between the New Testament and the Old, Right? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came on a few people. Holy Spirit came on the prophet, the priest, and the king. Only a few people, right? But in the New Testament, the, the Holy Spirit's given to all of us, right? But you, all of you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is coming. And you, and you, and you, and you, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Wow. Jesus has given us supernatural power so that we could go and share with someone the good news. You can do it. Jesus chose you for this. You can do it. Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit to do it. Jesus, you can do it because you've heard it a thousand times. Come on, you're here on the way home. You elbow your wife. You know, he shares the gospel every week. Does he know that? I mean, every week. Does he know that? Every week he shares the bad news. Every week he shares the good news. Every week he shares how, how, how we need to respond. Listen, I've heard that so many times. I could do it in my sleep. And you can and that's exactly why I do it. I do it so that you can do it. And listen, I've made it even easier for you. Everything you hear every single week is in a little booklet called Do You Know? Booklet. It's, they're in the lobby. Listen, you can take this and you can just read it to someone. It's what you hear every single week. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You really can. I really encourage you to talk to Jesus about people 
Who's the person you want to share with? Talk to Jesus about it. And then pull out your Do You Know booklet. Read it. Practice. Think through it. Talk to Jesus about how you can use it, okay? Talk to Jesus about people, and then go and talk to people about Jesus. Recently, I was having lunch with this man I'm discipling, and, and he says, I've got a friend named Joe. I've got a friend named Joe, and, and I want to share the gospel with him. Will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? So we prayed. And then this week, I get a text from him. He said, smiling, I, I read the Do You Know booklet to my friend Joe, and, and he signed on the line. He trusted Christ, and he took another one to give to his brother. Isn't that amazing? Let's, <laughs> we do give thanks this week of... Um, of one person coming to faith in Christ. Isn't that a great story? And you know what's really neat is if you take two with you and you give it to them, to, one for them, you, you can give them one to share it. And from the very beginning, people learn how important it is that they share the good news, right? There is someone in our small group, and we had lunch this week, and he and his wife, uh, they've just flown to Boston. And, 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 the re and they've asked the, me and they've asked the people in our small group to pray that, that her brother and his family might come to faith in Christ. They've gone all the way there because what they want is to share the good news with his, her brother and to see her brother and his family come to faith in Christ. Listen, they, they talk to Jesus about people and then they talk to people about Jesus, right? Um, I want you to know, you can do it, you can do it, and you say, well, how, how do you get into that conversation? Okay, well, what's today? What's today? Say it, it's what, it's the 4th of July. Do you think anyone will ask you this week, what? What did you do for the 4th of July, right? And you could say, I went to church, and they'd go, oh, but then you could say, no, no, no. We heard the best good news ever. And just leave it there. If they don't respond to that, that's okay. But if they ask, well, what is it? Then you can do it, right? You can share, right? That the best good news ever is eternal life as a free gift, and we receive it by faith, right? There's so many opportunities. Huh? How about that horrific that horrific condo that collapsed in Miami. Have you ever talked with anyone about that, have you? I have, and, and you know what the question I like to ask is? You ever wonder how many of those people who died were prepared? That's my first thought, is that your thought? I wonder how many of them were prepared. Just ask that question. And someone will say, well, how could anybody be prepared to die? Well, listen. I'm, I'm a Christian. I've packed my bags because I know I'm going to die. It could be today if a building collapses. It could be tomorrow in a car accident. It could be 70 years from now. It's going to happen, and I want to be ready when it happens. Don't you? What a great opportunity. Oh, well, what if something bad happens to us? Um, remember how I shared earlier the chosen race, how people who would never be together are brought together by Jesus? D do you know in the chosen race there's going to be a lot of gators in there? Did you know that? And, and this week I found out there's going to be a few uh, bulldogs in there too. <laughs> because Mark Rick used to be the coach of Georgia, and, and he recently found out he has Parkinson's disease. And um, you know how he let people know how he, what he tweeted about having Parkinson's? He said, truthfully, I look at it as a momentary light affliction compared to the future glory in heaven. 
thank you, Jesus, for promising us a future blessing of a glorified body that has no sin and no disease. Isn't that great? Remember Jesus said that one man built his house on the rock, right? And another man built his house on the sand. And whose house did the storm hit? Whose? Both. But when did it become evident that someone built their house on the rock? Wasn't it, Mark, Rick, don't you know now that his house is built on the rock? Oh, momentary light affliction can't be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Dear people, we have hope. Living in a culture without hope, there are so many opportunities for us to share with someone this week the best news ever, the good news of Jesus Christ. Won't you? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so, so thankful you came into this world. And while we were still helpless, at the right time, you died for the ungodly. Thank you. And thank you for not staying dead. Thank you for rising and offering us eternal life. And listen, if you've never received Jesus, you've never received this gift, if you hear him knocking, won't you receive him? I mean, won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that, uh, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on all of us who've received Jesus. Fall fresh that we might leave here rejoicing today with our identity, that we know who we are. We're Christians. We're disciples. We're holy. We're chosen. Lord, I pray that we would leave here knowing where we belong. We are strangers and aliens in our culture, but we belong in your body. Lord, I pray we would leave here today remembering why we're scattering. We're scattering having worship you to tell our neighbors and friends and people how excellent you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the first